Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I want to invite you to go to the book of Daniel, to the book of Daniel chapter 1, and I am I'm loving this series, and I'm finding amazing what God is doing, and you know, many of you, I trust that the devotions are making an incredible impact in your life. Over and over, people are sending me emails and, and, and cards and saying, wow, I'll meet them in the church during the week, out in the community, and they talk about how much it's impacting them. Please hear this. I'm blown away by that because six months ago, God told me to write these. I had no idea except just being obedient. But isn't it crazy how God does stuff in our life we don't even know it? And he's setting it up for a return that's like no other. And I, I just say thanks. I just love what God's doing. So if you got your Bibles, Daniel 1, we're talking about how do we become an unshakable person, an unshakable church, an unshakable people in such a shaky time in our world. So let me give you a little background. You need to understand that before the book of Daniel was even written, God's people were in rebellion. Now, before some of us get a little bit too excited about ourselves and think, well, we're not there yet, you need to understand what rebellion is. Rebellion is when you're not doing the right thing and you know what the right thing is. See, rebellion isn't going against God. It's not being obedient to God. And it'll always get us in trouble because there is no neutral in your life. You're either stepping closer to God or you're pushing back from God. And so God's people were in rebellion and over and over, God would send a prophet, a prophet who would come and preach the word and say, you need to get back to the heart of God. You need to get your eyes and your heart and your allegiance back to God. But they wouldn't listen. And they continued on in idolatry. And by the way, you need to listen again in this. Idolatry isn't some wooden statue that they have on top of their television. Idolatry might be your television. You give it more time than you should. Idolatry could be that thing in your garage. It could be your house. It could be your children. It could be your own ego, your own pride. But idolatry is that one thing that you know is in the way of who God is. The Bible says that they would continue on in idolatry. They would continue in immorality. You look at our world today and people are so wrapped up in sex and somehow we've been seduced men in this world that we think somehow a woman has a body and that body is tended for us. But you need to know she's an incredible creation of God and how you treat her speaks volumes about how you love God. Amen. God did not make women to be a sexual toy for your vision and you might remember that every time you look at a picture of pornography, you're looking at someone's daughter. Would you like it to be yours? See, we need to start getting real about who we are and quit playing the game. But God's people thought they could play the game, and so God would send people to preach the word, and, and they didn't want to listen to it. And in 586 B.C., God said, okay, that I'm going to have you be put into captivity. And that's exactly what Dan, God did with the book of Daniel. And you might go, why? 
Why would God do that? If he's such a loving God, well, that's because he is a loving God. The Bible says you fathers know how to discipline your children and you think you love them. How much greater is the love of the Father for you? You see, you understand this and you need to know this, church, and we need to get back to this. The reason God did this is because God don't like sin. God does not like sin. And if we say we're a follower of God, we should not like sin either. And that sin needs to start with ourselves. To look at ourselves and say, God, am I really, as David prayed in the Psalms, God, you search my heart, everything about me, and show me any sin in it. He used the word circumcise it. You cut it every way you can, God, that I would not be a person known for sin. And that's what we're going to talk about. So if you got your Bibles, Daniel chapter 1, and we're going through this book verse by verse, and if you're a guest, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. And I would ask that you would pray for me all week and pray for me even as I'm preaching. Not only that, that I would deliver God's word, but that you would hear it and it would change your life. That you would right now say, God, you speak. I don't care how painful it is. See, we've got to get away from thinking the church is all about goosebumps and feeling good and that you come in the room and learn how great you are. There's nothing great in us, folks. The only thing great is God himself. And if I have any worth in my life, it's because of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I find out to be somebody only in the someone. Outside of him, I'm nothing. So it's in God, and I would pray that God's word would go forth. And so here we are in Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to begin in the fifth verse just to catch us up from what we did last week. But here's what it says. The king, a pagan king that God allowed, that God gave his people to be put into captivity. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. The king Nebuchadnezzar signed, assigned to them a daily amount of food and wine. By the way, he took his people into captivity, God's people into captivity, and he only took the best. He's going to retrain them in the pagan ways. He's going to try to, if you will, beat Jesus out of them. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. After that, they were to enter into the king's service. Verses 6 and 7, I will just quickly just put it into a simplicity. We have four characters here. There were many that were taken. But the Bible says, among those who were chosen by the pagan king from God's people were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 8, but Daniel, he's 15 years old, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. We're going to talk about why that was such a big deal. And he asked the chief official for permission. Don't miss that. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And here it comes again. But God, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Please hear this. When you're obedient to God, you get the presence of God. You get the favor of God. And God begins to do things you can't even fathom. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who had assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, please test your servants for 10 days. 
Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat of the royal food. And then treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Church, hear this and you need to know this. When it comes to God, talk is cheap. We're to walk by faith. And the church needs to start learning this and understand that pretty much the only Jesus people will see is the one they see in you. We can shout hallelujah on the weekends, but the greatest worship is a life that's living in Jesus all week long. What do people see? How do they see you drive? How do they see you wait in lines? How do they see you when a business deal goes the wrong way? Daniel understood this. So he agreed to this test for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, here comes again, God gave knowledge and understanding. God loves to give. Of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king, remember it was a three-year period, so now he's about 18 at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they entered into the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. I love, I love the scriptures of God. If you got your notes, I want you to take them out because we're going to put some skin on this. But I want you to write this down right now. Before any blessing, there will be testing. Before any blessing, there will be testing. Church, the Bible says in Proverbs 17:3, as fire tests the purity of silver and gold, watch this, the Lord will test the heart. I told you last week, and just real quickly, that God will shake your world up. God will allow things to happen that we don't understand. It gets a little messy, and some of those messes are God-endowed. They're God-allowed. He won't tempt you, but he will test you. And I told you there's four reasons, because God wants to first inspect you. He wants to see what's really there. Who do you really run to and what do you trust in when it seems all is being taken away? He wants to inspect us. He wants to correct us. He needs to show us what is right and what is wrong. He needs to direct us. He's got to get our feet pointed back in the right direction. But he does this because he ultimately wants to perfect us that we will be like him. So now why would he do that? And here's what I want to talk about and put some skin on what we just read. There are four character qualities that matter to God in your life. God will allow your world to be shaken up, to inspect, to correct, to direct, and to, to, to perfect because there are four qualities that really matter and I want you to get them. Here's the first one. Write it in. My identity. Say it with me. My identity. Now listen carefully because I want to say this to you. Whether right now you know who you are or whose you are, whether you know that or not, it affects your entire life. Here's another way to say it. 
quoting from a very famous film, who's your daddy? Really? The Bible says in Matthew 7 that on that day many will say, Lord, Lord. And the Bible says that Jesus, and I quote, depart from you, I did not know you. And they'll say, wait a minute, Lord, did we not do all these great things in your name? We cast out demons. We even did miracles. And he says, depart from you. I did not know you because you kept living in sin. God don't like sin. But he understands that the most important character that will change your life is understanding who your identity is. That's why we read the Bible. I think you'll appreciate this story. There's a story about a baby rabbit who had been abandoned. Fortunately, a family of squirrels took him in and began to raise them as their own. However, over time, the adoption led to some peculiar behaviors. Our little rabbit friend began to scurry around like a squirrel rather than jump around like a rabbit. He now had an identity crisis. So he went to his squirrel parents to discuss his problem. He confessed, I feel different from my siblings who are squirrels, and I keep living like them, but I think I'm supposed to be a rabbit. And I thought his parents were wise when old daddy said, don't scurry, be hoppy. (laughs) I know you think, oh my goodness, we've digressed, but I disagree. I think it's going to get really quiet here in a moment. Because right now when I look at God's church, I don't see them being hoppy. I see them scurrying around. And you know what scurrying is? Scurrying means that you're chasing something. See, I'm 54, and I don't think any time in history have I ever seen more people as tired as I see today. I hear this all the time. Oh, pastor, I I just don't have much energy anymore. I hear people over and over, they can't sleep. I hear more and more God's people saying, I'm just so tired, I'm just so worn out. And do you know why that is? You don't know who you are. And do you know why I know that? Because I'm going to quote Jesus. Come to me and I'll give you rest. But not just rest. I'll give you my best life to the full. Peter said it this way, why do you worry? Why do you scurry? And yet we now consume more energy drinks. Places like Starbucks and Cafea and Coffea and all of the different places. Coffee is being sold at an alarming rate. People are taking medicines. I just wonder, why would you want to have five hours of energy when you can have a lifetime of power? But that happens when you know who you are. See, Daniel never forgot who he was. 15 years of age, and he already knew I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. I'm a sacred gift of God, and nothing can ever separate that from me. That's why Daniel could determine in his heart not to defile himself. Because Daniel understood when you're transformed by the word of what the Bible says you are, you don't have to conform to the world. 
and what others think you are. See, some of you in this room, you want to love Jesus in your depth of your heart, but maybe it was your earthly daddy that told you some things about you and you still believe in him and you're still being victimized by it. Folks, the cross says you have victory in Jesus. You don't have to listen to those lies anymore. The word has set you free. This is why we read the Bible. This is why we're in it. I want to know what the real truth says about me. And the more I read it, my identity grows. And I'm like Paul. I know whom I believeth, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard everything I've entrusted in him until that day. Identity, it's a big deal. Because when you get it here and you get it here, it changes everything here. Here's number two. It's called the character quality of discipline. And I like to say godly discipline. Plato said this, the first and best victory is to conquer self. Is to conquer self. And Daniel understood this. And I want you to get this. In verse 8 it says, and Daniel made up his mind. You know what's going on here? You might want to circle that in your Bible. Some of it might be he determined in his heart. This is the word discipline. You see, Daniel knew in the moment what he needed to do because he'd already developed a lifestyle to it. Even at the age of 15. Folks, Michael Jordan... LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, they didn't happen in the moment. They had prepared for the moment. It's called discipline. And the same thing is true in your life. Too many Christians are waiting in the moment. They wonder why they feel like they fail in the moment. Because you don't live out in the moment what you haven't already prepared up to that moment. I'm in the scriptures all the time. People go, how do you know them? You read them and the Bible says this, but in the moment, the Spirit of God will pull forth that truth and it just comes. It's crazy. That's what God does. We need to be people of discipline. There are three reasons I want you to write down why Daniel refused to conform when it came to the food and drink. Because some of you might be thinking, well, food and drink, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. Here's the first one. He did it because of health reasons. See, because the king's food wasn't that good, it was sort of junk food. It was kind of the McDonald's of the day. I don't say that to be disrespectful of McDonald's. Some of you might go there. But if you go there every day for every meal, you're not going to order a Big Mac. You're going to start looking like the Big Mac. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you see, it wasn't healthy food. Moment to moment is not a big deal. But when you make it a life, a diet of chocolate... A diet of those things. See, it's not healthy, and he understood that for physical reasons. Here's number two, cultural reasons. God gave the Jews a very strict dietary law. See, today we call them kosher laws. But God did this because he said, I want you to never forget that you're unique. I've set you apart. There's a cultural reason. But the third one's most important. It's the spiritual reason. And I want you to not miss this because this is really important you catch this. All the food was, remember, the goal was to take the best of God's people and retrain them to now use their unbelievable abilities for pagan, for unbelieving use. And let me tell you how Satan harms God's people. He does exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar is doing. Here's the food I want you to eat. There's the drink I want you. And Daniel knew it was just another way to slowly get me to forget who God is. 
And the way it happens in the Christian is so many people come and they'll come to the altar of God and, and they'll want to follow Jesus. But then all of a sudden they get up and they're too tired because they stayed up for late television, which didn't help them in any way in their life. And now they're too tired. I'll read my Bible tomorrow. Then tomorrow, well, I'll just next week. It's just Satan's attempt. See, Satan doesn't come along and throw a grenade in your life. It's that old adage. He just puts a grain of sand in your shoe. And pretty soon you don't even feel it anymore. And he slowly retrains you. And the next thing you know, you're just like everybody else in the world. And you might want to be very careful because there's two verses in the Bible that just totally break my heart. And it's with King Saul and it's with the prophet Samson. Both of them thought they could play a game with God as is casting crown song, a slow fade. And the Bible says, and the spirit of God left them and they didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. I wonder how many people are sitting in churches and the Spirit of God left them and they don't even know it. Have no idea. You might want to write this down. God honors discipline. He honors discipline. Proverbs 6 says, My son, obey your father's commands and do not neglect them. Wow, that's a powerful Powerful passage. And don't neglect your mother's instructions. Keep their word always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp, their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way of life. You know what Solomon's talking about? He's talking about God's word. Mom and dads, show the kids real truth. And when you do, he's writing to the kids, he's saying, trust it. That truth will change your life, every area of your life, regardless. You know, it seems to be harder and harder to find people that are truly disciplined. More and more, I watch God's people want to argue with me about what the word really says. That just saddens me. I got so many people in my life that speak into my life and they tell me things that are very difficult to hear and never once do I argue with them. I'm always, I'm so hungry and I don't think I've arrived and I'm always asking God to check my life so when they talk to me, I'm like, show me that, show me that. I'm hungered for that. That's what the Bible says, thirst for it and you will be satisfied. Look at the word discipline. If you take two letters out, I-N-N, you get the word disciple. See, to be a disciple, you've got to be a person of discipline. If you're not a person of discipline, you're not a disciple. Because a disciple of Jesus understands the words of Jesus. No one's greater than his master. I need him. And I need to be in him. Churches is important. We all know nothing worthwhile or significant happens without discipline. We need it. I mean, look what, look what Paul wrote about our bodies. Talk about discipline for just our bodies. Don't let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness used for sinning. Never let any part of your body. Instead, give yourself completely to God because you want to be a tool in God's hands used for his good purpose. You know, some of the old people remember from oil filter. You remember that? They had a commercial. And here's the tagline. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. And I think it's true to God and his people. Here's number three, our courage. Say that with me, courage. <laughs> it's like the cowardly lion. Remember that? 
What makes the hot and tot so hot? Courage. You remember that? <laughs> Courage. See, God wants to know who's willing to stand up, who's willing to stand out, and who's willing to stand alone for him. Amen. That's important character quality to God. You know, one summer night during a thunderstorm, a mother was tucking in her little son. She was about to turn off the light when she heard his voice say, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? The mother went across the room and gave him a reassuring hug and said, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. To which he responded, Big sissy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and all of God's ladies said, Amen. But see, I, I don't say this again to put anybody on the defense, but I just want you to think about it. I think that describes the church today. I think the American church is becoming a big sissy. We serve Almighty God. We should be hefty, 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 not wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. <laughs> We've got God who spoke the entire world into existence. Every little flower that exists and the ones we don't even know about, God knows them by name. He's numbered the hairs on your head. God says, that God is in you. Why would you be ashamed? Why would you step back? Why would you be more concerned about what people think of you? And yet, it seems that we say we love the Lord, but it takes right now 85 Christians in America to reach one person for Christ. But across the seas, it takes one person to reach 85. It's time that we need to really be praying, God, make me courageous. Make me courageous. See, I don't think we really realize for Daniel how hard it was for him to ask the most powerful king in the known world, I don't want to eat your food. That could have cost him his life. But he knew that God was for him. And I'm going to tell you how it worked in a minute. But it's a big deal. See, Daniel knew this. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. God said it. That's all I need to know, and I will obey it. Amen. See, that's what Daniel understood, and that's why God's favor fell upon Daniel. See, see, you might want to get this. Popularity doesn't make something the majority when it comes to God. With God, one plus God is always the majority. This is why... Exodus, Moses wrote, never follow the crowd in doing wrong and don't be swayed in your testimony by the mood of the majority. But think about it this way. Darkness never changes until someone gets up and goes and turns the light on. So this, is, this is why I want to share with you what the word says because I want you to experience life the way God wanted you to live it. Not under the log where it's dark, but out in the light. And I know that some people won't. When you, when you walk through a forest and turn a log over, the bugs start running back to the log and want to get underneath it again. But if you keep doing it for a while, some of the bugs will stay out in the light because they start to realize it's better in the light than it is in the dark. So you just keep turning over the log. It's the most important thing. It's a big deal. You know, Winston Churchill said, if you have enemies, good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. Remember the old adage, if you put your shingle out, someone will throw a rock at it? Well, let me just say this. If people aren't throwing rocks at you, you probably need a new roof.
Not everybody's going to like you if you stand up for Jesus. That'd be arrogant for you to think that. If everybody likes you right now, you're probably not sharing them Jesus. And here's why I say that. Because no one in this room is better than Jesus, and they killed him for it. And Jesus said, you're going to have to carry some crosses. You've got to lift me up. Some people will push back, but that's okay. It's okay. Paul wrote, stand true to what you believe. Be courageous. Here's the last one. I want to invite the team to the stage. And this is what I want you to get. But when we have courage, we do it in humility. See, I'm talking about how do you treat others, especially those who don't believe in God, especially those who may not like God. Maybe some of those people don't like you. Are you tactful? Are you reactful? Are you attackful? Or are you respectful? See, standing up for God doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful or mean. We speak the truth in love. But we still speak the truth in love. Amen? Amen. Daniel, look what it says, verse 8. Then Daniel asked the chief official, remember I told you don't miss this, for permission. He just asked for permission. He didn't demand his way. He didn't rebel. He he simply asked for permission because he understood respect towards others goes a long way. Just some respect. I have some pretty heated, pretty conversations that people want to engage in and and, and it just diffuses and you go, listen, I'm not mad at you. I love you. Now, some don't want to receive that. I told you they, they killed, crucified Jesus, but he was never mean. He just loved him. He just walked with him. See, Daniel understood that when you really humble yourself before God, James chapter 4, 1 Peter, when you humble yourself before God, he will lift you up. God always lifts his people up. I love that. And by the way, the more humbled you are towards others, it reveals how much closer you are to God. See, how we treat others speaks volumes about how we're really walking with God. See, these four character qualities mattered to Daniel. And you know why? He could live them out because he walked so closely with God. He knew who he was. He disciplined his life. He just did the things that were right. He spent time in the Word. He spent time with his God. He just let it... See, let let me tell you something about discipline. Discipline isn't trying not to sin. See, I I don't give much time anymore thinking about, well, I don't want to sin. I just want to be close and obedient to God. Because when I'm close to obedient to God, I'm not sinning. Sin happens because we're playing a game with God. That's what it happens. James tells us that. In the book of James, you can see it. When you start flirting with temptation, eventually that temptation wins. You're letting your heart go the wrong direction. Just do what God asked you to do. And God will take care of it. See, Daniel got that. That's why he could just walk in courage, confidence. And he was just so humble before God. How about you? I really want to see God as the way I started. I believe you do too. I'm very aware that a message like this can easily rattle a few cages. But I also think that the Word of God does that. It convicts us. 
Now we have one or two options in the midst of conviction. We can stop and thank God or we can push it back. And if you push back, all you're doing now is letting the devil have an inroad in your life. God won't hurt you, even though it might hurt in the moment. He loves you. He has so much for your life. He wants to give you the rest. He wants you to give the best. But here's hence the test. That's what the fires are about. Why he lets our world shake up? Because he wants you to be unshakable. He wants to remove all of that worldly stuff so you can experience the rock that will not move. So when the storms rage, the winds blow, the rains fall, you will stand. The team's going to come and I'm going to pray for you. As they sing, when you open your eyes, there'll be people up here. People we've walked through that want to pray. Church, I want us to meet the Holy Spirit. That's why our new purpose statement is we want people to meet Jesus because when you really meet Jesus, He changes you. But for people to meet Jesus in this world, we've got to start getting really serious about being Jesus. These four character qualities matter. How are you? Do you know who you are really? Are you a person of discipline? The things of God discipline. Doing the right things. What God's word. God said it, that's enough. Are you a person of courage? Maybe you need that prayer and someone to pray over you and say, God, just give them your spirit of courage. Some of you, it might be humility. And you know what humility is? It's when we choose comfort over conviction. When we choose to settle in and play church rather than step out and be the church. See, all of that is pride. It's when we let how we grew up determine how we're going to continue on rather than getting a fresh understanding of who God is. I want you to experience the work of the Spirit. Some of you know what I'm talking about because as I've been preaching, you felt a little tug. That's God. Do you know how you grow in listening to the Holy Spirit? You respond to it. You don't worry about the person around you or beside you. You just move out and say, God, I feel it. I don't even totally understand it, but I want to I I respond. And when that happens, God changes. And over time, that voice just becomes natural, just as natural as breathing. Father, I believe your word never returns void. And there's things in this room that we need to deal with, some people in this room that we need to do, as Paul said, to make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, those things within us, those things without us, and make our entire lives fit and holy before you as a temple ready to worship God. God, you're working on people's hearts. I believe it. I trust it. May we respond, not worry about what other people might think, what we've known. But that just moving out and let other people pray is such an incredible act and putting in motion. It's not about me. It's about you, God. Letting others pray with them.